0: No, uh, and, you know, you might think, well, so you didn't have any clean socks? No, they're all clean. I have two drawers full of socks. But my wife, she moves stuff. (laughs) 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 She just moved the socks. And I call. I mean, to the point where I had to call her (laughs)
1: <laughs> and
0: she gave me answer, plural answers, like you know, didn't enlist a lot, solicited a lot of confidence in me that she even knew where she put them. <laughs> oh man, you just gotta know her; she's uh, she's awesome. <laughs> She got off early yesterday for the first Saturday. A long, long couple of years. And we had a nice, nice afternoon. So, really thankful for that. Well, wanna, uh, I want to give Randy Mellon credit. He sent me a, a winner, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll tell you all this little joke. So I heard about this kindergarten teacher. She was walking around her classroom as her students drew pictures. She noticed this one little girl drawing so intently, she asked her what she was drawing. And the little girl said she was drawing a picture of God. The teacher kind of laughed and said, honey, nobody really knows what God looks like. And the little girl, without missing a beat, said, they will in a minute. <laughs> Hallelujah Heavenly Father thank you for this wonderful day That you've given us Thank you for all of your precious children That you've sent here Lord I just pray that you bless me With your anointing And help me to be a vessel to you be used by you to share your precious word. You're the seed of the word of God and that it be implanted in them, that it take root and bear fruit in their lives, that they be healed, empowered, loved and prospered and know it, Lord. And uh, I just pray for all those that are listening in other places. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I might just make a mention of uh, those... uh, San Antonio area, San Angelo, God bless you, and Chicago and Cyprus, Texas, of course, and uh, Ireland, United Kingdom, Brazil, Egypt, the Netherlands. We love you. We thank you for listening. We uh, pray for you and uh, know that there's no distance in the Spirit and uh, God's Word is true, and His promises are true, and His healing power and restora- restoration power is available to you right where you are, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week was, was Easter, but you know, I leave the He is risen sign in my yard for 40 days, because that's how long He hung around after He got up that grave and I just wait for people to ask me about it but I just want to continue talking about the amazing event that took place on Resurrection Sunday you know Jesus bore on the cross on himself the death sentence for each one of us by pouring out his soul through his blood, the blood, the, the, the soul, the life, which is translated soul in the Hebrew, is in the blood, says in Leviticus. So he poured out his soul unto death, our death. So he expiated, which is a word that just means the atoning sacrifice for sin and guilt. So he took our sin... Not only our sin, but our guilt, our shame, our sickness, poverty, disease, and despair, and depression, and every aspect of the curse that you can find in Deuteronomy twenty-eight. He bore it on his body on the tree, atoning for our our sin and our guilt. So he gave up his life on the cross. He was. Buried in the tomb, and on the third day, we know that God the Father intervened, raised him from the dead, setting aside the unjust rulings of two worldly courts, overturning their convictions, and having defeated Satan through the cross, Jesus was raised from the dead, and the Father appointed him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yeah. <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus is our sure guarantee of God's offer of salvation and forgiveness through Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Paul is making a comparison. He's using the example of something that the, the people knew from history about Abraham to show how it applied to us now that Jesus had been raised from the dead. So Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, he's talking about the faith of Abraham how Abraham believed God aside from all all works of, of good behavior. All of that, not even taken into consideration, the fact that God told him that he would have a child with Sarah And Abraham, even though he's a hundred years old about, and Sarah was 90, he still believed God. And believing God was counted to him as righteousness. And he used that example to explain how, in verse 23 through 25, how that same principle applies to us. Jesus was raised to life for our justification. Remember, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. For our justification and our faith in Him is credited to us as righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So now the resurrected Christ believed and received... Huh provides us with pardon for our crimes, our sin, for peace, for eternal life, and victory over sin. Hello. Amen. Amen. There in Romans 10.9, one of the scriptures used in that famous Roman road to salvation, Romans 10.9 says, because if you... Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, so believing in the resurrection is part of salvation. You will be saved. Amen. Huh? Yes. Everybody yeah. familiar with that? You heard it before? Mm-hmm. If you haven't, you have now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, you see. If you really believe something it's going to reflect in your words. Mm -hmm. You will be saved. The cool thing about that word right there where it says be saved in the Greek it's sozo. S-O-Z-O That's an amazing word and it's translated in English as saved, yes, also healed, yes, also delivered. Hmm? All good things, right? Yeah. Well, check this out. It's used a hundred and six times in the New Testament. So, yes, for salvation. The forgiveness of our sins? Yeah. Example is in Luke 19, verse 10, when he's talking to Zacchaeus, the, the little tax collector. Are are talking about him because they came against him for dealing with this sinful little man and forgiving him of his sin. And he says, and Jesus says, for the Son of Man, talking about himself, remember I told you that was one of his favorite terms about himself while he was here on earth. The son of man came to seek and to save sozo what was lost talking about salvation here's 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 a scripture that applies to healing in Matthew 9:22 remember the woman with the issue of blood they couldn't get healed spent all her money went to doctors and everything and said if i could just get to jesus if i could just touch the hem of his garment. I will be healed. And she did. And she was healed. And it said, but Jesus, turning and seeing her. This is after she she, she received and, and power had gone out from him. And he knew it. Everybody was pushing against him and touching him. But only one touched him with faith. Huh? And Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. So physically healed not only just physically healed but whole and here's one for deliverance anyone in here need deliverance for anything everybody in here needs deliverance from something (laughs) anyone ever told you you had a demonic stronghold and made you think you were of the devil I said we' probably all have some demonic strongholds, some of you more than others, but <laughs> <laughs> a <lot>. all, it, <laughs> all it is 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 just a, a wrong mindset, something that's you don't know, want I. You know what the Lord gives me a picture of whenever I'm trying to I'm trying to talk to him about demonic strongholds. Any of you Star Wars fans? (laughs) I'm not like a (laughs) trekkie guy or any of that nonsense. But uh, excuse me, Uh, I'm not into a lot of that. But I have seen the Star Wars movies. I kind of grew up on them, you know. And I remember when R two D two had that. Had that uh, message that he was trying to conceal, and it was tucked away in his computer. And he he said, "Oh, he goes. This must be a. It's something it's like really lodged in here." Remember Luke Skywalker? He's like something lodged in here. He plucked it out, and finally it, popped out, and boom! There came the video of the the message. You see, that's that's kind of like a demonic stronghold. It's just a bit. If this was a computer, it's just a bit of. Misinformation. And if it's not God, it's the devil, huh? So, an ungodly mindset or belief system. And there's so many strongholds in the world today. And they're, they're dry, the driving force behind all the craziness that you see. And that's what it is. A, a wrong mindset about something. And all they need to do is repent of that. Agree with what God says, and that can be healed just through the Word of God, huh? Anyway, so for deliverance, there's a scripture in, in Luke eight thirty-six. Remember the demoniac who had a he uh, he lived amongst the tombs, and uh, he couldn't keep chains on him and all that, and he was just he was filled with demons, like a whole legion full. A bunch of them. And uh, and, uh in Luke eight thirty six, Jesus said, And those who had seen it, this is after he had freed the man from the hold, and he, he ran these demons out of him, huh? And he said, And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon possessed had been made well. Soza. So Deliverance, healing, salvation—all inclusive. Hmm? It's a wonderful salvation that we've entered into, and the magnitude and of the benefits are something that just go unrealized by the majority of Christians. We live so be- so far below our inheritance, huh? And we need to strive and to struggle to come up to the level of blessings and provision that God has already paid for for us, huh? And so that's one of our goals, isn't it? The resurrection of Jesus means it's all true. Everything he said, everything he did, the fact that he's no respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't care more for one than he cares for you that's good news the ground is level at the foot of the cross he's the same yesterday today and forever so if he did it for one he'll do it for you so every time you find sozo in here there's 106 times and I I recommend you search them out and make them all your own they apply to all the wonderful things that we need and if he did it for somebody in here you can just say look Lord here's where I am I need this. And I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. And you know what? You want to put a grin on his face, that's how you do it. Father, you said, what did I say, baby? You said this. Yes, I did. And it's for you. You want that? Glad you asked me. About time I've been waiting for you to ask me. You have not, because you ask not. Huh? It's all truth to live by, folks. And remembering God's Word and mixing it with faith, believing it, is imperative. If we want to have a successful... You know, we don't want to... What makes you different than the Unsaved person next door You know What makes us different well, I mean there's a lot different Everything is different about us But if we never tap into Who we are in our born again spirit And the world doesn't see it Then it doesn't Do any good for Jesus For the kingdom of God and it's really not helping you in your day to day life. And God wants all those things, doesn't he? Amen. Since we were talking about Abraham a minute ago, mention another detail of his life. One of the points about his faith. In Genesis seventeen, God had told Abraham that his seed his child, his son, would bless the whole world, didn't he? And Abraham believed God. He believed God would keep his covenant, his agreement. God never breaks his agreements with us, his covenant with us. The covenants haven't changed through the through, through history, thank God we don't we're not under the covenant of the law, which was in place with the Jewish people only for fifteen hundred years. And that was quite burdensome. Now we are under a different covenant in this church age of grace and truth. We have Jesus, huh? And nevertheless. Abraham believed God would keep his covenant. And how many of you know that sometimes when we believe in God, when we're applying our faith, it's going to be tested a little bit. How many of you have ever been to the gym or worked out with some weight, tried to decide to get in shape a little bit? And then you realize may have been a little longer than you thought since the last time you tried that. <laughs> but you know, that muscle will get stronger. It will grow if you stick with it, won't it? But you know, you can't build a muscle without putting some pressure on it, can you? It's the same in the spiritual realm. Let's look in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 This is when God had given Abraham a son, not the not the one that he and Sarah concocted a way to help God and he went and had one with his Her servant girl, God didn't count that one. I know that sounds mean, but He didn't. But then He did give Abraham and Sarah one, and that's the one that He called His Abraham's only son. So here we are in, in Genesis 22, and God tells him to go to a mountain where He would show him to go, and He told him to go up on that mountain. And and make a a blood sacrifice using his son, his only son Isaac, as the offering. And he took off that direction with his son Isaac. And they traveled, and when they got near they to the mountain, God showed him that that's where it was, and he he took his son. And his son carried the wood for the fire on his back up that mountain. And he asked his dad. He said, "Where's the, where's the the lamb? Where's the sacrifice?" And he said, "God will provide." Well, they got to the top of the mountain, and it was just the two of them. So Abraham prepared the. The fire. He placed the wood up there, ready to make the fire. And then he tied his son, Isaac, and placed him up there on that altar. And then he raised the knife to sacrifice his son before he burnt it up. And when he raised that knife, God told him to stop him. I decided not to turn over there because I would stay too long. God told him stop don't, don't hurt don't hurt the boy because now I know that you fear God am I close to what it says there <laughs> I've walked up that mountain with him in my mind a thousand times so I know the story pretty good Then Abraham looked behind him. He heard something. He looked behind him, and there was a ram in the bush caught it by his horns in the thicket. Huh? So God did provide the sacrifice. He sacrificed that ram instead of his son Isaac. This is an amazing, dramatic foreshadowing of. God's perfect offering for us I'll tell you how everything in the Old Testament Is type in shadow Of what has been revealed now In the New Covenant But God Centuries later Would provide that sacrifice And he would Sacrifice his only son Jesus Carried that cross on his back Just like Isaac carried that wood Up that mountain toward his own demise, but God spared him. But God didn't spare his only son. We know from John 3.16, God so loved the world, there's his motivation. He doesn't love the world system, but he loves the people in the world. And God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise be to God. So God's covenant love provided Abraham with a son. God's covenant love provided a substitutionary sacrifice to save that son. All type and shadow, like I said, of what God would do centuries later. His covenant love caused God... To give his own son as a blood sacrifice for the sins of the sons of men. Hallelujah. That's all, that is all who we believe on him. And that sacrifice that Jesus made. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know that day on that mountain. Abraham was so excited. That's when God revealed himself. and, and, And Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh our provider. And that's one of the names that we know him as now. And if you think about that, if God didn't spare his only son, what's to keep him from giving us anything else? He wants to bless us in every way. But we need to trust in his word and in his promises. We need to pursue by faith. All of the things that He wants us to walk in. All the victory and blessings and power and provision and freedom. Amen. Amen. Luke 24. Going back to that morning when Jesus was raised from the dead. I just want to... Probably not going to get very far today. But I'm just having fun is that all right sure. Luke 24 I love this passage of scripture and it speaks so loudly to our hearts if we if we try to apply these principles <clears throat> starting at the verse of uh, verse one of chapter 24 but on the first day of the week and I tell you before that it was Sunday. At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So these were two angels standing there in front of these women. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That's verse 5, by the way. He's not here, but he's risen. And then listen. Remember how he told you. Remember what he said. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise... And then verse eight, and they remembered his words. They remembered his words. (laughs) Second Peter one sixteen through twenty talking about Peter's remembering. Events and he's explaining how. Listen, man, all this isn't made up. We've given our lives basically to about our testimony, and he's reminding them of the of Christ's glory, having seen it, and then the the prophetic word that have come from God. And he notice how he puts more emphasis on what he heard than what he had seen. I mean, he spent three and a half years with Jesus. But we know that he didn't do too well until after Jesus was raised from the dead. (laughs) For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So yeah, we saw... For when, we received honor, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice. Again, here's the word of God. And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word. They had all the old covenant and all the prophets until the day we had the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which, see, more fully confirmed. In other words, the word of God is even more reliable than what they heard, an audible voice that they heard. (coughs) A more, more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. The written word. The logos of God. As to a lamp shining in a dark place. So the word of God is a lamp. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. In other words, this is a book written by the Holy Spirit, written down by men as he gave them utterance. So, the spectacular, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders, I love it all. And I, I believe that there's coming a time when a lot of the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to be using folks in our midst uh, a lot more right now. I think he's really... Planting a huge amount of seed in the hearts of his disciples here because there are some really true disciples. Nevertheless, the point is that the spectacular is wonderful. It gets our attention, doesn't it? Huh? We need it now more than ever, as a matter of fact, in this world to get people's attention. But what are we getting their attention for? It's to draw people to hear the word of God, which is able to save their souls. It's all about the word of God. The devil comes to kill you. Why? He comes to steal the word. When you leave today, he will come immediately to steal the word. Like, a, like me going out and throwing seed on the ground to grow crops. They used to do it that way. The birds were opportunists. And they would come right away and get it while it was still right there on top of the ground. Before it got rained on and washed into the dirt and was able to take root, right? Right? So that's what the enemy does. He comes immediately and tries to steal what's been sown into your hearts today immediately so that you can't meditate on it. You can't think about it. You can't ponder it and talk to God about it until it becomes revelation of your own and takes root and bears fruit in your life. So knowing the enemy's tactics, you got to fight him off submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yeah, he's scared of you. Amen when you're submitted to God and actively resisting him. Hallelujah. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing God's word, right? So the Lord's given us amazing, great, and precious promises, Peter refers to it as, 2 Peter 1, 4. But our unbelief can still cause the Word of God to be of no effect in our lives. It can hinder everything that God is trying to do. If we're still... like those women that went to the grave that morning if we're tr- still trying to seek for our solutions from a, a dead world from a gravesite, from a dead God instead of a living God then we act like Jesus didn't come out of the tomb Our unbelief negates the power of God working in our life. The resurrection power of God. Meditating on the word causes faith to come and doubt to go. I heard it like this. Feed your faith, starve your fear. The opposite of faith is fear. If you don't fill your mind with the word of God, then the enemy will fill it with fear and doubt and worry and depression and unbelief and Temptation. Those women at the tomb that day, you know, he was already raised from the dead. He was already alive when they got to the tomb and they thought he was still in there and then they were so sad when they thought he was stolen or missing or whatever, right? But the truth is, he was alive. So why were they still filled with sorrow in their hearts? Because they didn't know it. Do we know it? (laughs) I mean, you see what I'm saying? Has the same effect. If God is dead, then we should be sad. But he's not. I know him. How many of you know him? Praise God. He's very much alive. So we're not going to be filled with sorrow. We're not going to seek our solutions from a, a dead world or be blinded to the victory that the resurrection produces in our lives. Huh? We're going to walk in faith. And we're going to walk in great power and victory when we meditate on these promises and mix it with faith. You know, when you send your faith out to get something for you, because it's a servant. Jesus described your faith as a servant. It's one of the parables he used. And he said, don't let it rest until it's accomplished what it's supposed to do. Because his word will not return void. Who can short circuit it? Us. We're the ones with the authority. We're the ones with the faith. But are we using it? We have to believe everything that the resurrection means to us and for us. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, you know, I heard a minister, a friend of mine, a Yankee preacher, a friend of mine, yesterday, I think it was, he was ministering on this. And this is something that the Lord had shown me a while back. I ministered on it maybe a year ago, but he was, the Lord had just shown him this. But that scripture in Hebrews eleven six without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and and, and, and most people get that. I, I believe in God. I know he is. So, I have faith. No, it's not what it says. It says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I think that's where a lot of our trains get off the track. Do we really believe that when we seek God, He's going to reward us? Or are we staying away from Him because we think He's angry with us and He wants to punish us? And by the way, we're... He's right. (laughs) You know. I mean, that's how I used to be. I was like, hey man. Anybody that I've walked out on I'm just doing them a favor. That's how I, that's how I saw myself. <laughs> really just doing them a favor. I didn't see myself like God did. I needed to. Thank God. He finally beat some sense into me. You know that personal relationship with Jesus it'll make you more confident, though. And that's what we need. We need confidence, not in ourselves apart from God, but we're never apart from God. We need confidence, though, to, to walk in faith without guilt, without shame, knowing that Jesus paid all that on the cross. Matter of fact, when people try to deal with you by shaming you and guilting you, That's not God. Anything, here's the litmus test, anything that Jesus bore on his body, on that tree, on your behalf, he's not going to use it against you anymore. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is positive, it's encouraging, it's loving, it's patient and kind. All of the wonderful attributes in 1 Corinthians 13. I know you all read that. Love is patient. Love is kind. And you're looking at it as a mirror. Oh, 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 oh. I missed it there. I missed it there. Why don't you instead, this is how God feels about me. He is patient toward me. He is loving. He is kind. Hello. Because that love, receiving His love for you, will help you to share that love with others. You can't give away what you don't have or what you've never received from God. And He's the source of all love. So if you haven't received God's love for you, or you say you have, but you really don't, I don't know, man. Maybe the rest of you guys, but now, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, I do. And He loves you anyway. I' just going to share one more thing and then I'm going to stop, but I wanted to say a lot more. but give me a head start next week. This is probably my favorite one of my favorite chapters in the book Bible. If you go to John chapter 21, And then we'll finish here, huh? I'll give you all this because just to bless you all, since the others weren't here today, you all get something extra. <laughs> <clears throat> this is a story. This is after the resurrection, and basically, John had finished writing his book. And then He added this chapter as sort of a P.S. The way I see it. Because the way he ended chapter 20, it seemed like the book was over, and then he added this, and I'm so glad he did. This is the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. This time it was just seven of them. Two of them are unnamed, but it was Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, and then two others. And they had gone out fishing all night long. And again, like in the beginning of their story with Jesus, they had caught nothing all night. Zero. (laughs) And they're coming into shore right about daybreak. We have a picture in our living room from Thomas Kincaid called "New Day Dawning." And there was somebody on the shore. He had a fire going with charcoal. He hollered out to them, and if they had any fish. And they said no. And he said, Throw the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll catch them. And they did. And then they couldn't pull in the net. And John said, It's the Lord. Remember, Peter had just denied the Lord a few nights before, three times before the rooster crowed, right? And his heart was broken over it because he did love the Lord. But he had denied the Lord, and I mean, in your heart and mind, you really have to be thinking at this point that your fate might be just like Judas was I'm sure those thoughts crossed his mind. Feelings of unworthiness, guilt, and shame, and just anger, I'm mad at yourself. Just every negative emotion you can imagine. I bet Peter wasn't fun to be around right then. Right when John said, it's the Lord... Peter was stripped down to basically just his drawers because he was fishing and working. Right when John said that, though, he throws on a robe, (laughs) a garment, his outer garment, which is like a robe, which is crazy, because he jumped into the water and swam to shore. But the boat wasn't to the shore. It was a hundred yards away. You get the excitement? I mean, he just he wasn't even thinking clear. He just instead of swimming in his drawers, which would have been a lot easier to do a swim in a hundred yard dash, that's a football field, folks. He just throws on a rope and jumps in and just <laughs> swims for shore. He was so excited. And you know, it's a beautiful thing because, you know, i tell you about how Jesus atoned for us. that he, he made that at-one-ment available to, with God for us again through His sacrifice, didn't He? He bore our guilt and our shame and our sin on the, His body on the cross. And He asked. After they finished breakfast, they cooked some of the fish. And this is when he asked Peter, do you love me? And he said yes, and he loved him. And he said, feed my lambs, the baby, the baby sheep. huh?" He asked him again, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend, watch over them, my sheep. Tend my sheep, tend the flock, huh? And he asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter began to cry. Because he realized, having denied him three times, here he's asking her if he loved him three times. And again, he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. It's amazing the wonderful way that God has of restoring his children. And it was a little bit painful at the time right there and emotional, but how many of you know that after Jesus was gone and as Peter thought about this and he was so thankful that he asked him those three times because he knew exactly what he was doing, what he was undoing, all of the ugly and replacing it with the good. He was restoring someone who had made a terrible mistake because he loved him so much. There was 153 fish in that net. I never could find anyone to give me an answer why because I know everything's in the bible for a reason so I asked God and I'm real interested in biblical numerology anyway because when I got news of the five which is the number for grace and how it surrounded my life and all the things that transpired with that which is another story but you know one One is just what it seems like, oneness. And you know, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he prayed for unity, that we would all be one. And he's going to have that prayer answered, isn't he? The church will be one, but it talks about unity, oneness. Unity, the oneness of God. If you're counting to five, you say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation, redemption. huh? So... One is the oneness of God, the unity of God. The five is grace. And the three is the Trinity. Notice in chapter 21, seven is God's perfection, God's ultimate perfection. Times three. Whenever you see... The three, that's the divinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And sometimes they all want to get in on it. It's like a really cool little fun thing. It's like I I, I want to be in on that. Whether it's a scripture or whatever. So seven times three, twenty one, and then we get the hundred and fifty three fish. And so God just told me, it's just, just, just number by number, it's just what it looks like, and that he was, he was showing them that now, based on the atonement, based on my atoning sacrifice, and what I bore the penalty for your sin, and your guilt, and your shame on the cross, and now because of me, we have all been made one by the grace of God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah We're all one with God Everybody here feel like that? If you don't Don't go by your emotions Go by the word Until your emotions change Huh? If you do Then keep propping it up Beefing it up. You know, the more you praise God in the storm, the more He shows up and shows off on your behalf. It's easy to give God the glory and thank Him when things are good. What I love to see is people praising Him in the storm. Because that's that's when it's really hard. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to be down and out and hurting and broken. And, you know, I heard somebody say that yesterday as a minister that I really trust, he said that, he, I caught the tail end of it, but it was based on the fact that he said that 86% of all illnesses is based off of, a, stems out of a broken heart, a wounded soul <clears throat> Jesus has a solution for all that and he loves you he cries every tear with you but all of the spiritual laws and provisions of grace that are that he has already provided the law of faith the law of sowing and reaping all these Supernatural principles of God are in place for our benefit, but we have to learn to cooperate with them and participate. The answer is yes to all the promises and provision of God for you in Christ. But we have to learn how to appropriate everything that he has for us by faith. Because it's all on account in the spiritual realm. That don't mean in heaven. It just means in the unseen realm that is right here with us. And in us. Andrew always says the healing you're looking for for that cancer. Or for that whatever it is in your body. Is when when you bow your head to pray. The provision you're looking for is just four inches below your chin. And you're born again spirit, huh? We draw it out with the, the dipper we use for that well. The bucket is our faith. Speak faith. Find the, find the promises that per, pertain to your need. Or some of them. And stand on those scriptures and get other people to believe with you. And don't don't be around people that say the opposite. Don't be around people that say they believe in God and then all they talk about is what the enemy's done. Don't talk about the sickness, talk about the healing. Don't talk about the poverty, talk about the provision. Hallelujah. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your atoning sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your precious blood, your soul being poured out on our behalf. And thank you for everything that the resurrection means in our life, Lord. There's so much more than what I shared today, but Lord, I pray that this information this truth is powerful and that they will all take hold of it. Make it their own, Lord. Everyone who hears this message, take this truth and make it your own. Protect it just like you would a little seed that you planted in a garden. Don't let any weeds that come up around it. Don't let the birds come and eat the seed. Let it take root and bear fruit until it blooms and blossoms into a beautiful flower. Amen. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for loving us so much. I ask that you bless everyone here as they go. Continue to talk to them throughout this week. Make yourself manifest in their lives. And everyone who hears this message, talk to them in special ways where they know it's you, Lord, to help strengthen their relationship, their personal relationship with you. Let them see how awesome and fun and cool you are, Lord, that you're not a mean, judgmental God who's looking to punish them, but you love them and you just want good for them. Help them to see that and believe it so that they can... Begin to walk in the victory that you have provided for us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of my sin. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.